You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Solar A Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, and Wattwatches, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me, as he always does, is David Leach from ITK and Renew Economy contributor. How are you, David? I'm well, thanks, Giles. Trust all of our listeners are well as ever and pleased to be here and a special welcome also to our special guest today. Yes, indeed. And um, Chris Parrott, um, the CEO of Sonnen Australia. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Giles. And David, it's Pleasure to be here. Look, um, we've got you on board because you've made the very exciting news in the last week or so of Sonnen's intention to build what I guess would be Australia's first manufacturing plant for battery storage, which is pretty exciting. Well, that's very exciting for us too. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, look, before we get into that and all the reasons and whys and wherefores and um, what market you're looking at, and um, I just wanted to go through some of the week's news, David. Um, Look, I, I guess the first couple of days have been dominated by federal government policy. The first one was the National Energy Guarantee. Now, the Energy Security Board held an open forum uh, yesterday um, in Sydney and they had 150 people in attendance and about 500 people on the webinar. Um, they didn't really tell us much more because they just basically said, look, here's the questions. We're, we're listening to what you guys have got to say. But um, it was a very strange sort of presentation because uh, there was about a dozen people from various parts of the industry and none of them seemed to like it very much and had all sorts of warnings about the very things that I guess that we identified all the way back um, last year, which was basically the risk to competition and the fact that prices go up over and above the fact that it doesn't actually address the emissions issue. That's right, Giles. And of course, we it was a real flashback uh, to have a student protest interrupted, uh, complete with sirens. Um, it, it did make me laugh somewhat. Uh, and and talking outside the forum, I guess I, you tend to talk to people that, that uh, share the same views as you, but, although I try not to only do that. But I didn't uh, find much support for the NEG, none of which means that it won't I mean, it could still happen if, if the COAG Energy Council decides to support it. But in the way they've decided to go forward, they, they want to change the national electricity law, as I understand. And that pretty much requires a unanimous support from all the states within the NIM that are going to be Im- impacted. And so it would only need one of those to uh, pull out. And we have to recall that South Australia and ACT have already asked at the prior COAG meeting for further modelling to be done on a CET, clean energy target, and also an emissions intensity price or scheme, as well as this, to see that COAG's not fully on board. And just to take five more seconds, I want to point out, as I did in the article today, that the genesis of the NEC, NEG didn't come from COAG in the first place. It came from the federal government in an improper way and has been tainted as such right from the very beginning. Yeah, look, um, in fact, you don't pull many punches in your article, which um, I do recommend um, readers um, 
do do catch up with. It's um it's a very strong article um and very good. Look, one of the things that Josh Frydenberg has been trying to sort of defend and neg with is the fact that it's got the support of everyone. Um, clearly, though, yesterday it doesn't have the support of many people at all. And as you point out in your article, it is incredibly rushed. These are serious reforms to the national electricity rules, and they're being rushed forward so quickly. I mean, you know, the, the, the draft document had 69 questions open, and they're supposed to be answering them within about four or five weeks. Yes, I, I don't like the process in, in which it's been done. And I'd agree with Josh Frydenberg that the idea of having dispatchable electricity and having more renewable electricity and the other part of the trilemma, which doesn't get into the guarantee of having affordable as possible electricity, uh, are all fantastic ideas. Yes, everyone agrees with mm. those. <laughs> it's only the details that really count, but the devil's in the details. Yeah, look, and one of the ironies is, is that the neg might actually be um, conceivable should we have a really ambitious um, renewable energy target. Um, but we, of course, we don't have one of those. And it was interesting to see in Senate's estimates hearing um, on Tuesday that Snowy Hydro, um, the executives themselves were sort of saying, well, this will probably only work if we had a lots and lots of renewables into the system. Um, because as you and um, I have both pointed out, without an ambitious renewable energy target, all Snowy is going to be pushing uphill as coal power. And there's some, uh, indeed, and look, the thing I'm looking forward to is some more work on AEMO's um, uh, um, integration plan because I think that's got the plan that should precede the policy uh, and the policy should be aimed at supporting the plan, not, not the plan that's supporting the policy, if I can put it that way. Uh, but there was some other news out of the Senate estimates hearings today, Giles. Um, was there? You've lost me. Uh, don't we see that the head of uh, ARENA... Uh, is not going to be seeking a third oh, term. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Look, um, that's Ivor Frischnit. I didn't realise that came out of the Senate Estimates. I actually got a media release and talked to Ivor um, before we recorded the podcast. And um, Ivor's um, going quite um, happily and voluntarily. He's decided he's been there um, long enough, wants to spend time with his family and talked about some of his major achievements, which... Um, um, look, he's done an awful lot and he's had to withstand an awful lot of policy sort of um, uh, controversy and efforts to actually scrap the agency. But um, it was interesting that he did talk about his, his biggest achievement being the reduction in the, um, uh, the large scale solar round, which he said has reduced costs by 25% and basically pushed everything forward. Um, and also the various projects they've done off grid um, uh, for miners and communities. Um, but look, um, anyway, look, I think he's done a fantastic job and I look forward to speaking to him on, on, a, on a forthcoming podcast to get a bit of a, 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 a briefing about what he's done and what he sees for the future. I think that'll be very interesting. Oh, well, I agree with that, but perhaps it's a... And I think Arena's been an absolute shining light in the industry in its darkest years and continues to be have some, a lot of innovation and push... And in more recent times, we've seen the CEFC... Uh, starting to spend up its mandate, which is also great. So I'm, I still remain very optimistic on that level. And, and again, without wanting to overpraise anyone, I don't think that would have been possible without the tacit support of the federal government to actually get this far, uh, whatever its colour. So, I mean, it does take goodwill on everyone's um, part to make progress. And, and building a consensus remains an important objective. I like to think not just in this area but in other areas we can go back and look at Germany uh, and the way that they seem to be able to build a consensus amongst um, various groups on issues 
and everyone gets something out of the bargain and, and we go forward. But perhaps it's time to talk a little bit about Sonnen. Well, absolutely. And Lord, what a perfect segue. Sort of German policy to the German technology. Chris, um, thanks for joining <laughs> us. And sorry about us ramping off on federal policy. Look, I'm, I guess you're probably not that much affected by some of the federal policy goings on. Um, it's probably more sort of, you know, local economics and in the case of Sonnen's latest um, venture, um, state-based um, support. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, the, the NEG for us is, is, is minor in terms of our opportunity in Australia, but and has very little effect. But yeah. what we do believe is that the, the, the Australian market is a great opportunity for us, and we would rather not see many changes in its current state. Well, let's just go back into what exactly you've announced. Now, you are going to build an Australian manufacturing plant. It's going to be based in Adelaide. You're moving a head office there. It's actually going to be this the, 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 the office for Australia and the um, southern and eastern Asian um, region. You're hoping to produce 50,000 units over five years, I understand, employ 400 people. Why does this make sense? Well, what, the question is, why aren't we, go, why aren't we moving the factory to China? The, the real reason is, is that... Uh, that this is where the market is. Um, the the being centre stage is very important for us, and both we did this also in Atlanta in the USA. So the 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 market the market is where we want to be. Uh, volume is very important to the storage uh, companies at the moment. If we can secure support through state governments to uh, get the volume we need, then we get economies of scale. Um, and in return, we're giving jobs and stuff back to the state. So, so, the, oh, so the idea of manufacturing in South Australia, does that mean that you are able to produce a cheaper product than importing it? Um, and I guess at the moment, you're sort of probably importing cells and stuff from all over the place, assembling them somewhere, and I presume it's Germany at the moment, and it may be elsewhere, and then shipping it, the, the finished product into Australia. So presumably, you're confident that you're going to get a cheaper product out of it? Well, the the uh, yes, the the goods, uh, the finished goods are actually come from Germany into Australia. The the cells are manufactured by Sony, okay, out of uh, mm. out of Japan. Now the um, the the economies of scale, the volume is what brings the cost down for us at the moment. So we're quite efficient in Germany, both in in Germany and Atlanta, and we expect the same efficiency, if not better, out of a new automated factory in Adelaide. But the, the the volume is the is the is the real reason for the cost reduction. Chris, I'd love to talk about and hope to talk a little bit more about the factory. But if I could just step back a little bit and look at Sonnen more more from a big picture point of view, it only started in two thousand and ten, and I guess I've got a perception that it's at least number two in the global brand awareness sort of uh, thing these days for household batteries. Can you give me an indication of how many packs Sonnen is selling on a global basis these days, or maybe what its cumulative installed base is, or just give me some indication of, 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 the, of the size of the company? Sure. So so we are number two, obviously, in brand, but in number one in, in sales globally. We have about 35% market share globally. We do uh, approximately uh, 10,000 units in Germany alone, then I think Italy is our second biggest market and, and that's about half that size. So we've got installed uh, somewhere around 30,000 systems in Germany um, and obviously a big portion of that has come in the last three years. And you go on. 
Um, in the US, it's it's uh, again, it's about the same size as Italy. We've done, we cover the whole country there. So we're still, we're looking at about 5,000 units last year. So all up, I think somewhere in the order of about 25,000 units were sold. Um, Chris, so tell us about Australia then. Um, what, what, what have you been selling in the last um, in the last couple of years in Australia? I think you mentioned um, in a previous interview I did with you about 2,000. Yeah, that's right. We actually, the, the, there is a break in there. We launched um, the Son and Flat in July last year in 2017. So we did about 700 units from uh, the first half of last year and then the second half of last year was just over uh, 1,800. So we reached about 2,500 units last year. And if I, so then we come back to the, uh, so you've really got three factories then sold on a global basis or you will have after this facility in, in Adelaide is put together, one in Germany, um, one in Atlanta and then one in Adelaide? Mm-hmm. That's correct, and um, and, and so the, the driving factor for this one in Adelaide then is the South Australian government initiative about um, interest-free loans for um, solar and storage and favouring um, local production. Was, was was that the driving thing? And um, are you kind of dependent on labour being returned in that state in the forthcoming election? Look, I think um, there are similar policies between uh, between parties, but obviously it's it'll be favourable to a Labor government being re-elected. Um, the, the support we get from the state government is not just about local, local sales, but it's also about um, into the region as well. So they give support on um, selling into other markets within Asia. And this is what we're also looking towards for this factory. And, and so, Chris, can, I, 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 excuse me, but it's just that I'm an ex-stockbroking analyst and I love talking about factories. <laughs> um, uh, you'll be importing the cells is from Japan, I think you've mentioned, and then you'll be using largely automated production processes to assemble the cells into a pack, which you'll then combine with an inverter, I guess, and put into a case. Is that sort of the way I should think about it? Correct, yeah, so there's multiple things that go into our box. Obviously, we're AC coupled systems, so we have an inverter, uh, the battery modules, what we call the spree, which is the brains, and then the other uh, microelectronics around it. Now, the, the cells themselves that go into separate battery modules, which house a, a battery management system in each one. Right? So there's, there's different sets of components in there that make up the box. And when you look at the, and your technology, is that lithium iron phosphate? Uh, yes, yeah, lithium iron phosphate. And do you still see that as better than, say, I know for car batteries, it's like uh, there's nickel cobalt, um, lithium nickel cobalt or lithium nickel cobalt manganese or something like that because they need more power. So the... Uh... The, we're actually agnostic to the cell chemistry. So we don't, we test every cell chemistry and we choose the best one for household storage based on two main things. One is durability, how long it's going to last, and the other one is safety. Yeah, we believe that yes. lithium ion phosphate is the best for household storage for these two things. And that's why we stay away from NMC, nickel, magnesium, cobalt, uh, that we find more in motor vehicles. Motor vehicles use high density, light with these things are not important for household storage and and, and so that's right and so i'm um, go on sorry Giles. go ahead no go ahead no you no you go no, 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 after you 
<laughs> I just wanted to say a word to thanks to our sponsors, actually, Solar Ray Energy and What Watches, um, who've been sponsoring us all the way through, and we do thank them. Look, I was actually going to go to the economics of battery storage for the consumers. So, David, if you had another question about the actual chemistry and things like that, maybe you should go right well, now. Well, I will, because last year we didn't see any cost reduction in the household sector for batteries, uh, and various theories have been advanced about that. We did see reductions in prices and quotes, or so I'm told, at at um, you know the 100 kilowatt and up start type, uh, 100 kilowatt an hour and ups type scale, but not at the household level. I'm just wondering how competitive the cell manufacturers are with their prices and what you're seeing in 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 that space. That's a good question. Um, we do know that the the prices are uh, have increased. Um, for some components of the NMC battery, and this is, may have caused some problems, but we haven't seen many new versions come out in the last 12 months from battery manufacturers either. So the the, the product development from uh, our competitors into versions, the same with us, we have we didn't introduce a new one last year. So this may have an impact. So I would expect when new versions arrive from different products that we would see cost reductions. But in the short term, the, the prices of some minerals, uh, cobalt and such, is, is uh, we've seen them actually increase quite a lot in the market. So where that puts pressure on the cost of the storage products not to come down, that may have an effect. And, and I'll hand over to Giles in just a second, but just looking at it again, I've understood in the past that well, if I look at household battery unit prices, that is the dollar price per kilowatt hour, it comes in at pretty much double what an automotive battery price is. And I've understood that that difference is in the in inverter and the casing and the volume and stuff. Are you seeing much change in the technology or the, the cost of inverters or much medium and longer term scope to improve manufacturing in that area? Yeah, look, I've seen um, volume is the is the major push for cost reduction. We actually, you know, the the cells that we use will last 20 years, and we'd like the more work to be done in the inverter technology to enable us to offer those sort of warranty conditions on the whole unit. At the moment, the inverter is the thing that holds us back, both from a cost and a development point of view. So we work. Uh, closely with a number of inverter manufacturers and always trying to improve that part of the technology. But that is definitely uh, one we'd like to see uh, more work in to improve our, 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 off, our product. So, um, Chris, I'd like to get um, a bit more understanding about how you see the layout of the Australian storage market. Now, obviously, South Australia is looking good because you've got both major parties um, competing on behind-the-meter battery storage. Labor's talking about a 50,000-unit virtual power plant. It's got this separate $100 million offer for um, interest-free, which is actually a seven-year interest holiday, actually, on, on behind-the-meter storage and rooftop solar. The Liberals have a their own $100 million campaign, which is a $2,500 grant, means-tested apparently. So that seems to suggest that South Australia is looking pretty good. What is driving battery storage take-up in the other states, do you think, if at all? And when are we going to start seeing that boom? Because we seem to hear an awful lot of people saying, I want battery storage, um, but not quite doing it because they seem to be waiting for it, the cost to come down. Yeah, look, I mean, this is the same thing we saw in solar a, a, a while ago as well. 
it usually gets to a point where we see um, more take up when there's a when there's a payback that seems reasonable within there's a jump at seven years and a jump at three years four years so um, we're getting to the point now where we're, we're getting to that stage where storage will make sense in the seven year payback range now the, the obviously South Australia's had had a good market since uh, the blackouts in 2016-17, the summer there, um, because storage provides a alternative to the network when the when the power's not on. And this mm. is a this is a big bonus, obviously, for the people who've taken it up. We see a big take up in Queensland, and country New South Wales, for example, based on this, but as well as price. So Queensland, country New South Wales, South Australia, they are most expensive places, but they're also um, reliability reasons why storage is taken up. Well, you couldn't ask for a better market in the sense that the electricity prices all across the country are ridiculously high. I mean, really bang on almost 40 cents a kilowatt hour at some stage. And presumably that gives you an awful lot to play with. And presumably, despite the fact that Sonnen is not the cheapest battery out there, you're still saying that it can deliver a seven-year payback on, on the investment? It depends who the person is in the house consumption and stuff and where they are. But the... The main thing is here is people are buying storage for independence and control. So we're seeing the prices go up. We're seeing very, uh, apart from South Australia and Queensland, very little involvement from the government in, in helping in helping consumers or householders from achieving um, independence or or um, low energy prices. So this is the, the independence is the main reason for purchase. Um, so Sonnen Flat. Our energy tariff also helps with that. So we, we're, we're providing basically 10 years of free energy for consumers, a guaranteed level of cost. And this is also what's driving the sales in terms of that, that feeling that people are getting uh, um, some sort of guarantee on what their energy costs are. It is nice to hear that non-price is, 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 a, is a very good reason for, for doing some of these things. Yeah, just about that sort of flat, I guess we should explain that and just sort of tease that one out just very briefly. Now, that's this proposal that you have, but basically people have got to buy their own battery, don't they, and have their own solar, of course. And if they bring the system and they have it installed, then you basically run it for them and agree to make sure that they have all their electricity provided for in exchange for a monthly fee. Yeah, look, and that monthly fee is just replicating the, uh, the fixed daily supply charge that people already see on that bill. Now, the, okay. the, the, all it is, is, is simply is, is that we're providing an energy tariff where we're, where we're paying for the remainder of the energy that the customer pulls from the grid after their savings from battery and solar. Mm. And this is, and just, for example, this is a value in our small package of about $450 if you live in Sydney, for example. And it's obviously more in, in South Australia and Queensland and less in Victoria. Okay. And yeah. in return, we're using the battery for the wholesale energy market in our virtual power plant. How are you seeing the insta installer market? Are they sort of more up to speed on batteries? They would have had a lot to learn how to sort of do an installation of a battery with PV and the most efficient way and everything. Do you, do you feel that they're on top of that now? Yes. Yeah. I think um, there's a learning curve when, when installers first get onto the, the battery products, but it def, um, I don't think uh, well, a little bit of experience goes a long way and, they, and the installers are getting on top of that. What we do find is there's a shortage. We, um, uh, there's quite a delay in the installation process, but the actual... Um, Installers are definitely uh, 
uh, on top of the storage in terms of its installation. Terrific. Look, um, you got any more questions, David? No, I, I, well, I do, but I... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I was going to say, I'll wait till we get a bit further down the down the track uh, with the factory in South Australia, and uh, I look forward to the progress there, and it's, it's fantastic to see uh, a bit of local assembly, really is. Yeah, good on you. Um, good on you, Chris, and look, um, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. Just hold on for two seconds, David. We've just got to have a look at the week ahead. Anything um, now biting, exciting, whatever coming up? Well, well, I'm getting excited about gas, Giles. Probably more excited than you are. Uh, I mean, I've been looking at these Wartzilla engines. Uh, that look, they, they sound like they come from a Harry Potter thing, but they're basically car engines and uh, or, or four-stroke engines that that's the kind that AGL is going to use at its Barkers Point plant in South Australia, and I expect they'll end up selecting in. For their New South Wales plant. We've seen Andrew Forrest with a uh, plan to import LNG into New South Wales by 2020. I mean, as much as we all love uh, Snowy 2 and other pumped hydro and concentrating solar and batteries, and uh, I, but I do think there may still be a place in the market uh, for a while for some gas technology to help firm up all the renewables. And these um, Wartzilla engines can be started up within five to 10 minutes and they uh, operate very well at partial efficiency. So they seem to me at a bigger scale to be quite a good way uh, of helping to firm up large amounts of renewable energy in the short term. Indeed. Look, um, well, it'll be interesting to see how that works with um, battery storage and some of the other competing technologies as well, as well as pumped hydro storage. Look, I think we should wrap it up there. I'd just like to thank all you, David, and um, all our listeners for tuning in today. And um, please um, tell your friends about it. Leave us a review. Send us some feedback. And um, you should be able to download it on any of the uh, platforms. And we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Energy Insiders was brought to you by SolarRay Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solarray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatches, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs. Accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit whatwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.